Welcome to Raise the Anchor with host Melissa Burbridge. In this podcast, I will share the stories of individuals who have made major life-changing decisions. The purpose of this podcast is to tell their stories and inspire change within. Stick around and share their journey with me. So today on the podcast, I have a professional tackle football player. She's a kick-ass chick, Sarah Wolfer. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I've never heard of pro tackle football for females. What is that like? Yeah, it is an amazing experience so far. It's actually a brand new league. It's called the WFLA, the Women's Football League Association. Uh, and I'm going to be playing for the Phoenix Red Tails uh, for the 2021 season. Uh, this is the first time we'll have, you know, if everything works out, the first time we'll have a paid professional league for women. Uh, before that, I was playing semi-professionally with uh, the Oregon Ravens, which is part of the Women's National Football Conference. And that's kind of been, there's been a few other leagues that have been around for a long time, actually, for women's tackle football. But this, again, will be the first time that we enter, you know, with goals to become like the NFL, but for women. So, so, so cool. Like, how many teams will actually be in the league in 2021? I'm not sure how many will actually be in there. Um, it's probably on the website. I know there's a goal to get over 30 teams eventually. Um, I'm, but, yeah, I'm not, not sure how many will actually be there in the, the first season. Yeah. So, 10 plus. So I take it, have you been like watching football and playing football since you were little? So actually, I have not been watching or playing football my whole life. Uh, I've been a soccer player and I started playing when I was four years old and played collegiately and semi-professionally. And that was kind of my big love for most of my life. And in probably 2016 or 2017, I was at the Pride Parade here in Seattle and I saw uh, the Seattle Majestics playing or playing uh, on a float there as part of the Pride Parade, and they were all wearing their gear. They some of them were carrying their helmets, had the pads, and I just had this moment of realizing, wait, there's women who play tackle football. That's a thing that I'm allowed to do, and <laughs> it stuck with me. I didn't try out for a couple of years, part partly because I was really nervous because uh, I didn't know anything about the sport. Um, but finally in 2018, I tried out for the team and made it and really fell in love from there. No, that's super cool. So how has it changed your life now playing football instead of soccer? Like that's, they're both endurance sports, but you're using different parts. Like you're getting tackled. What is that like? Yeah. Um, I love actually, so in soccer, it's funny, I'm a striker and I love to score the goals. Um, but in football, I actually really love playing defense more, and I love to be the one doing the tackling, and it's, it's life-giving. It's really uh, therapeutic, and it's a socially acceptable way of getting some of that energy out that I have. Um, so that's actually my favorite part of football is the tackling component. Uh, I, you know, it's a little less fun getting tackled, I will say. But, no, the tackling part of it is why I'm so drawn to it. It takes a different skill set, though, definitely. It's uh, not just physically way more taxing. Like, after a game – even after the first practice with our full pads on again in a season, you feel like you got hit by a car. Like it's just like for days afterwards, I'm sore everywhere. My neck from the helmet, everything hurts. So like that part you get used to. Um, but then also the mental component of football is so intense having to memorize the playbooks, which have 
hundreds of plays. Um, and in the teams I've played so far, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. I'm really fast. And so it'll put me all over the field. So I'll be having to learn the whole offensive playbook as a wide receiver. And I'll also be learning different defensive positions. I've played even in just, well, one season I played with Seattle, moved to, you know, played with the Oregon team, but we didn't have a season this year because of COVID. Um, but between where I was going to be playing, I would have played, you know, I played some D end, some linebacker, i um, been looking at safety. Uh, I've played some cornerback. And so I've kind of played, and then also like special teams. I'm also the kicker. And so, and then wide receiver. So I'm really kind of all over the field at this point. Um, and so learning all of the different, when I didn't watch football my whole life, learning all of the different rules of football, plus for all the different positions, it's been, it's been incredible and really challenging. And I love every second of it. That's great. And so who are all your coaches? Are they men who have played in the NFL or are they women? Yeah. So in the leagues that I've played in so far, um, the coaching staff has been predominantly male but not, um, I don't think any, any of the coaches that I've had have ever played in the NFL level. Some have played collegiate, but most of the coaches were actually uh, men who played in high school um, just because in the women's game, it's not very big yet. <laughs> uh, we're working on it in all of these different leagues, and there's lots of people who are pushing towards progress, uh, but we haven't had that experience. With this new league, I've heard some, we'll see when all of the coaching staff are announced for all the different teams, but I've heard that there's potential for some NFL players or potential like high-level collegiate coaches to come on board. Um, I've also, you know, with my team, I'm going to be playing for with the Red Tails. I know there's going to be a woman on on the coaching staff, which I'm really excited about. And same with Oregon. There was a a woman on the coaching staff as well who was a USA All-American linebacker, and she's incredible. Her name's Leah Hinkle, and she's amazing. And so it's been a mix of both, I'd say. So would you, like, I, uh, we'll talk about COVID in a minute, but is your goal to ever be on the NFL or to push this women's league to be huge? To push the women's league to be huge. Uh, I think the, we definitely, I think we play it differently uh, as women. Same with soccer. Like, and that's the sport that I've known way longer. Um, women and men play it very differently. Um, and so I think so far from what I'm seeing, it's also the same with football and I really, yeah, I really love to compete against other women and, yeah, and tackle them and all that. I I just have to say it would probably be – there are women who have played against men, and that is amazing. Um, With my size, I don't know if I would want to be tackled by a man. Um, But, like, Jen Welter is one of the big names in women's football, and she actually played professional arena football with men as a running back and has a book out and still doing a lot of amazing thing in the women's, uh, women's football world. Um, but she's definitely braver than me and that she, you know, suited up and did full contact tackle football with men. And even actually on my team now with Phoenix, there's a, one of the other players started the first, she was, I don't know exactly her story, but she started, you know, this, this football league, this co-ed, um, in another country as well. And so there are lots of women who do that. But for me, my personal goal is I want to see this, you know, become like, have like a, you know, there's a WNBA for basketball. I want there to be a, 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 you know, an equivalent for football for women. No, I wholeheartedly support that. I think it should be equal. There should be both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and I, honestly, the size of some of those men, I wouldn't want to be tackled by them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how has COVID, I know you're not doing a season at all. Are there talks to do a little bit, like a like a pre-season, just to keep you guys active? Definitely not here uh, in America. We're not, I'll say we're not handling COVID so well. Um, 
there are some players because we like with my Phoenix team, there's a lot of international players. So some of them are having seasons in other places around the world. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to do any of that. Um, we are going to, you know, we're going to have a training camp. All the teams are before season actually starts next year, where we're going to have to do all of our fitness tests and training and all of that as well. Um, so it's going to be, I think like two months before season, actually, like before our first game, we're going to have those practices together. Yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. Um, yeah, cause you're in Washington and so right below you guys is California. Are you guys fearful that that hotspot's going to come up towards you guys? So Seattle was actually one of the first hotspots for in America for COVID. And so I think there's definitely that fear here, um, not just from California, but from even, you know, walking out. You know, I have a company that I'm sure we'll talk about in the sports world, and we're trying to be very safe with how we're handling sports in the time of COVID and doing one-on-one and really small groups and with masks and sanitizing everything. But it's really disheartening here, even in the Seattle area, when I go out to do one of these lessons and the other day I see a full baseball game going on with no masks, no, no safety precautions being handled. The coach calling everybody in for a huddle really close to each other. And it's like, if we keep all behaving like this as a society, we're not going to move out of COVID anytime soon. So I'm not necessarily worried specifically about California, but just in general with how we're handling it across the board. So my thoughts are... (laughs) No, I definitely, uh, I want you guys to clear it up because we <laughs> want to go down to the U.S. next year for three weeks. So be yeah. to be able to do that. So I know you're in like pro football and I know when you hear of pro football players who are men, when they come out as gay, they get judged and they get ridiculed. Have you found that? I know you came out quite late. You came out at 29, correct? In the women's football world, it's not, there's not as much stigma around being gay. There were, I will say, without going into too many details, there's definitely moments where I've heard comments being made from people in positions of power about people who look like me or who are more feminine presenting, not being able to, like, it's, people can't comprehend how I would look this way and also be gay, because uh, there's a lot of still stigma around what a gay woman looks like. Um, and so I've definitely heard comments about that, not necessarily even directed at me, but other women on the teams that I've been on. And there was some, not from football, but just from like, you know, family stuff. And, you know, I think with anything like that, you're going to lose people. And so I did lose some people that I wasn't expecting, um, or relationships definitely changed inherently as part of coming out. Um, but Overall, I've had, I've been lucky to be surrounded by a lot of really positive people who support me and love me for exactly as I am. And that's something that's really important to me. Um, If you've read, I I do this a lot. I talk about all the books that that I love to read. (laughs) Lennon Doyle's Untamed. Have you read that? I love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I related so much to a lot of the stuff that's in her book, but even the part where she talks about how her and Abby, I'm going to totally mess this up, but they have their love island basically. And like people are only allowed on that island if they are going to be loving and supportive, you know, for how they are. And like, that's how I'm living my life now. Just if, if you love me and accept me for who I am, you are welcome here. But if not, then I'm going to keep you, you know, farther away. So I've been really lucky that, you know, like with my, you know, my wife, I just got married a couple of weeks ago. So she's been amazing and really supportive, but so is a lot of my family and a lot of my friends. And so I still, I still feel really great with my chosen family as well. No, that's good. And congratulations. Your wedding looked beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It was such an incredible experience. And, you know, getting married with the, the water view behind us and uh, both 
so her name's Sylvie, her and I both love being around water and nature and got to have a really like a ceremony that was private for us, but had a few close friends there. And it was, yeah, it was incredible. Best day of my life so far. Awesome. That cake was gorgeous too. I love the mountains in behind. Yeah, it was supposed to be like the Pacific Northwest on the outside of the cake and then the inside was Rambo because, well, you know, we're gay. So. No, that's perfect. It's fitting. No, yeah. I love it. So your journey already has been pretty impressive if our listeners are actually listening, but there's more. You're a strong womanpreneur. Tell us about that. Yeah, so in a lot of changes, I will say, and they're all very connected with my life, but really started in 2018. Um so backing up before I started my company, I was working in the, uh, so I'm a mental health professional and social worker too. I have a lot of different identities that I hold. Um, and I was moving up through the ranks on like this ladder, you know, supervisor, project manager, running one program, two programs, three programs. Um, and I was really good at my job. And they kept adding, the place I was working kept adding more programs to me <laughs> because it was going well. Um, and when they were starting to ask me about a fourth program without, there was no pay raises along the way or anything like that. And so when they started asking me about the fourth program being added, that's when I finally started raising questions of, Hey, well, you know, I actually took this role and was only overseeing one program. You've added a second. Great. We've added a third. Great. If you want to add a fourth, like, I think we should talk about some increases in salary. That didn't go well. (laughs) Um, and I ended up like having to, you know, for four months battling over equal pay because it turns out. There was two men at the same place who were making significantly more money, but doing significantly less um, every, basically in every category you can imagine. Uh, and so because of that, I ended up winning actually and getting paid equally at my company, but then proceeded to basically get denied promotion after promotion after promotion. Um, and so when all, when that last one happened, it was finally like that, that kick that I needed to be like, why am I still even on this ladder? This isn't like, I'm not being treated how I deserve to be treated. and I want to make change and I want to be part of something bigger than myself. And this doesn't feel like it's it anymore. And I got really burned out from the bureaucracy of that. And so at the same time, I was also always a soccer coach for 16 years now on the side as like, you know, social worker primary and then soccer coach as my side hustle and had even at one of my jobs before that had like made a whole proposal to them about how we could be more equitable for girls and women in sports. And how I would be the one that could help lead the change for them. I'd do it for free, but just like I had seen all of these issues and they just didn't, they didn't even listen to it. (laughs) They didn't even respond to me. And so when all of this started happening, it was November, 2018, I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to do the thing. And that's when I decided to start my company, Girl Boss Sports. And basically we have two goals. One of them is to keep girls in sports and that's because they're dropping out way too quick. And the real reason behind why I want to keep them in sports is that, I saw a study by Ernst and Young that showed that 96% of female C-suite executives play sports as teenagers. And when I saw that stat, I'm like, well, that's basically everybody. Uh, but then if we're dropping out at twice the rate as boys by the age of 14, how are we ever going to lessen that leadership gap across every single industry? So that's like where our real goal is. We want to have more women leaders across every industry. And then our second goal is to have more women coaches. And that's, I mean, basically there's just too few of us. And so I've had that experience and I've coached in Miami and Oregon and Washington, and I've seen it everywhere. Even at one of the clubs I was working at, 13 out of 13 of the directors were men. Um, I went to an all staff and there was like 110 coaches in the room and there was only, I counted four or five women. And I'm looking around and like, how is this? This Like there's so many women soccer players. Why are we not represented even in a sport like soccer, which 
everyone thinks is more equal than something like maybe football. Um, and so basically, and then I pulled stats and found that 21% of coaches in the U S for soccer are women, um, which is actually much higher than I thought it was going to be. And then 7% globally. So that is like, we want to change that in the first year of business hired 20 soccer coaches, 20 women soccer coaches in the Seattle area. Um, and so far loving every second of it. Uh, COVID has definitely hit us a bit, which I'm sure we can get into, but I was saying, so that's basically my journey of becoming a womanpreneur. <laughs> no, I love it. And I love that lofty goal. Like anything we can do to help, we'll push anything. I love it. Spread the word. I love that goal. Um, Thank you. Having a nurse background, I know the mental health component and you having the mental health component, women who stay in sports tend, like I've read so many studies that they tend to be more mentally, like have better mental health. Oh, definitely. I mean, thinking just about the the skills we learn as uh, athletes, not just leadership, that's a big one, being a captain and all of that, but communication, conflict resolution, like teams are given so many ripe opportunities to work out all of these different skills that are going to help women leaders across the board. But yeah, definitely mental health as well. So, and the confidence. Oh, definitely confidence. Yeah. I'm just getting back into that game and I can tell you I've been like a little depressed with the, an injury. So I haven't been able to work out. And now that I'm starting to slowly train for a marathon, my first step, oh, wow. I can't run it, but it's already in two weeks. I'm noticing such a change in my mood. How has COVID affected your womenpreneur business? Oh yeah. So I mean, sports, right? Sports have, I think across the board been impacted by COVID. We had a lot of really exciting events that we were scheduled for 2020. We had two summer camps that were going to be really awesome with some powerful women who were going to come in and inspire the girls. And we were going to do a really holistic look at female athletes with the, the actual how to soccer, but then also the mental skills training and personal training specific for soccer players for female athletes. Um, so I was really excited about that, not just in terms of the bottom line, but also it was going to be a really cool event plus several clinics and I mean, lots of stuff was planned and unfortunately we can't do big events. So that has taken away most of our revenue, unfortunately, but we are still holding strong now. Again, we switched to virtual, um, right in March, as soon as like COVID really hit hard over here. So I was literally doing soccer lessons in my bedroom over here in this corner, um, virtually with other soccer players. Uh, that was definitely an experience. We still do some virtual, like one of our coaches has a weekly boot camp that is entirely online it's on Saturdays. And so that's really cool. But then now at least in the Seattle area, we can do one-on-one and like really small group lessons. And so that's our primary thing that's keeping us going right now. But yeah, no, the not being able to do events, we're having to shift gears for sure. Yeah. So you sound pretty busy. Does your wife ever get to see you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah well she's also busy and luckily a lot of the things we have overlap on so like she's a football player as well so we can train together in a lot of different uh ways um we can also she's part of my company she's the marketing director and so she's leading those efforts and so i get to see her at all of those meetings um and then we have other projects we're actually working on some really cool things um that i probably shouldn't say yet or she'll get mad but we're working on some cool projects together so um i'm really excited about that and then also, so I guess it's mostly project-based right now, but I'm also starting up my own private practice in the next couple of weeks. And so she's helping me with that as well. And so right now we're kind of approaching our new marriage as a team and 
we have a giant whiteboard with all of the projects that we're working on and checklists and who's doing what and it's going amazing so that's our primary focus right now just because we have a lot of stuff on our plate and then having things literally in my google calendar after this i have a date night and so i just have to schedule out and it's a little bit silly that i have to schedule a date night into my google calendar but if i don't then we won't have time so no, I totally understand. I have to do the same thing. I have to yeah. schedule my kids in and it feels so guilty sometimes. <laughs> Who motivates you? Oh, so many people. Um, I think people who know me won't be surprised, but my number one, which your viewers can't see this, but this is my, can you see the candle? Megan Rapino. How neat. <laughs> it's just one of, some of the coaches got it for me as a gift. Um, but I love Megan Rapino. I think that she is a, a really strong advocate for a lot of the same things that I really value. And so I, I look to her as a role model for sure. There's so many other people though as well. I mean, then they're pretty much all women, but people like Serena Williams. Um, yeah, there's just so many. Glennon Doyle for sure. Brene Brown actually might be my number one or two, depending. I'm not sure yet. But Brene Brown, are you familiar with her work? Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, I love her. And I recommend her to pretty much all of my therapy clients. So she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know when you ever have time to do anything. (laughs) What is your biggest goal? Do you want to grow this business so you don't have to work in it anymore and you and your wife can go on and, and just, you know, have a sunset somewhere? Or do you feel so passionate? You just, you're always going to want to be a part of that business. I think I would like the biggest thing I'm working on right now is balance as you can imagine because I have a lot going <laughs> my dream I, I mean I've always wanted to be a pro athlete didn't happen with soccer but it looks like it's happening now for football and so and for my you know my wife as well so we want to work towards that and then also run my company but then also make sure that there's time for things in nature just like going camping doing that kind of thing so we want to be able to still be involved but make sure we have that balance and can focus on ourselves and our love for each other and all of that too. So what advice can you give for someone wanting to come out as gay? Cause I know a lot of people still hold that in that they're going to get judged as soon as they, they say the words. Yeah. I think the number one thing is finding someone or multiple people that you feel safe coming out to. Um, and also knowing that you don't have to like doing it on your own time. It's no one else's decision to make for you. And so um, finding the right people to, to share that with is really important and making sure that you're in a safe environment as well. Um, it is unfortunate that there are there's statistics on, you know, kids getting kicked out of homes and all sorts of other terrible things that happen. And so just making sure safety, number one, and then finding those right trusted supports who can you know be there through that process for you. No, definitely finding support. I think who you love is who you love. You shouldn't have to defend it at all. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. I, completely. <laughs> What advice can you give somebody wanting to get into pro football? Yeah, if you want to, if you want that goal or any other goal, really, you just have to work for it. So putting in that time. And I think the, the secret to successfully meeting whatever goal is not, not what we see at the end. It's all of those little baby steps along the way. And so even if I don't have time today, for example, to work out because I'm running around, I worked out really hard yesterday anyways, but today I can go and do 10 push-ups between my therapy clients and I can go and do some pull-ups without a pull-up bar. So it's finding the time to do that. And all of those small, consistent actions are really what lead to the end results of getting in shape. Um, So I think that's, if you want it bad enough, then creating that plan and doing it. So is most of the pro football on the West Coast? 
Uh, no, it's actually there's teams all over the the nation. There's like one of the big ones is in New York. I think there's going to be a team in Miami. Um, there are a few teams on the West Coast, California, Arizona, but I think it's going to be all of the U.S. Nice. I'm definitely going to have to look it up when I go down to the States. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to have you out to some games. Yeah, I think we're going to, where are we going to? Alabama. Okay, there actually is a team in Alabama. Nice. That's good to know. Where can our listeners find out more about you? So if you want to find out more about the company, it's girlbosssports.com. You can also run all the social media under the same thing. And then if they want to follow along my own journey, I'm on Instagram and it's CEO underscore Sarah with an H, Wolfer, W-O-L-F-E-R. And how can our listeners support you grow this big women? Like I'm all about this movement of women's sports. Yeah, I think sharing all of the content. Um, We're regularly on social media. And so right now we really need help spreading the word about both our virtual and in-person services. The cool thing about virtual is that literally anybody anywhere in the world can access it. So if any of your listeners know a soccer player who wants to do a virtual boot camp, maybe they're struggling with COVID. uh, We have those every Saturday at 3.30 Pacific time. So, I mean, I'm not sure what time that will be in, you know, all the different countries where your listeners are, but things like that and sharing our content and spreading the word about us. And that's going to be the biggest thing to help right now. Awesome. So I know you already touched that you're launching. um, Yeah. So you're opening up a clinic soon. Do you have any other projects on the go? Uh, we do, um, but none that are announced publicly yet. But the yeah, the, I'm really excited about the private practice. We just came up with a name. Hopefully it's available though, so I'm probably not going to say that either until we officially register the business this coming week. But again, if your listeners follow along on my Instagram, I'm going to be announcing it pretty soon, some of the other projects that we're going to be doing. Awesome. I can't wait to watch it. So lastly, who inspires you? Oh, um, so yeah, definitely going back to Megan Rapinoe, one of my all-time faves. Um, I also, my first soccer love actually was uh, Michelle Akers. So being able to look up to her and then after was Abby Wambach, who's actually married to Glenn Doyle. I still have her cleat, actually, Abby Wambach's cleat from her first ever World Cup game when I went, I don't know, I think I was 12 or 13 years old at the time. And my dad and I went to the World Cup game. Um, and it was her first one. And I remember she scored that day. And at the end of the game, she took off both her cleats and signed them and threw them up into the crowd. And people have asked me over the years if I would sell the cleat, but no, it's still over here because I love her and I love everything that she stands for. Um, and so she's definitely one of my role models as well. Yeah. I wouldn't give that up. Well, I want to, oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This is great. And thank you for sharing your whole story. It's Yeah, no worries at all. It was a real pleasure and I'm looking forward to catching up again soon. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Raise the Anchor, brought to you by Killick Media. Remember, you can join our email list at killickmedia.com and subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss the next episode. Don't forget to rate this episode as well. I'm Melissa Burbridge, wishing you smooth sailing.